0: All right. Hello. Uh, Welcome to the inaugural episode of the uh, Casual Try Hard MTG podcast. Uh, Your hosts for today are uh, myself, uh, Brian, and And James. So we are uh, people that want to uh, get as much out of our magic play as we can.
1: Right. We... uh... We both have lives and jobs and homes and wives and we kind of try and fit magic in as best we can while uh, maintaining a reasonably healthy life balance I think
0: yes so so that's the kind of the casual part is we can't you know we can't sit around and play arena for. 12 hours a day,
1: six days a week, or whatever. Right, and we also can't afford to travel to whatever event's happening every single weekend like a lot of the big grinders do.
0: Yeah. But when we do play, we are going to try hard. We're going to try to, you know, be competitive and get uh, as much as we can out of each turn in each game. Right. And make sure that we're, you know, trying to win. Mm-hmm. We're going to try hard.
1: Yeah. We're, uh, I guess, mainly looking for... Uh, how to get the most out of our time, how to take whatever we do to the next level while kind of still doing our own thing.
0: Yeah, so we we know there's a lot of podcasts out there and we kind of see ourselves as fitting in that that gap. So there's a lot of podcasts focused on getting people kind of at our level, right. which we kind of see ourselves as like, we go to local PBTQs, yep. you know. Occasionally, we win one and go to RPTQ, like Mister James over here. Um, so there's a lot of po- uh, podcasts focused on getting us to like the Pro Tour right. or GP Top Eights. But there's kind of a hole.
1: Yeah, but a lot of the podcasts focus on the grinders, and like it's that's great if you have time to do that. But there's not a whole lot of info out there about how to go from FNM level to whatever come mythic qualifiers I believe or what's coming yeah. next and that's kind of where we hope to fill in some of the blanks.
0: Yeah, to get you to the point where you are like are confident from going from your FNM to a Magic Fest yeah. or an FNM to a PPTQ and you feel confident that you know the rules and you know yeah, ignore, ignore, the, uh, ignore the noises in the background. <laughs> that, that's a wife leaving the house. So, you know, wives and lives. Uh, so we're trying to get you from that FNM to that next step to yeah. get to kind of where we are. And then hopefully don't forget about us, but then you can transition right. to some of the other content as well. But we're yep. going to try to help you get there. Yeah. So this coming weekend is pre-release weekend for Ravnica Allegiances.
1: It sure is. This is my favorite time to play Magic.
0: It is a good time to play. Our local store does six to seven pre-releases. Yep. And you usually do all of them. them. Yeah. (laughs) I have come to the conclusion that whenever I do the midnight pre-releases, I end up sick and miserable. Yeah. And so I'm just like, you know what? I'm not going to do that to myself. I show up fresh at noon, and then all the people that stayed up all night are a little punchy so oh, i have yeah. an easier road
1: i am uh, slowly coming to that realization i uh don't bounce back as well as i used to yeah
0: so so why why is it your favorite time to play what, what's so awesome
1: pre-release is great nobody knows what any of the cards do um you're learning them alongside everyone else um there's kind of a special buzz at pre-release right where everybody's trying to figure out how the cards interact and what the most powerful interactions are um like i said you're just getting the cards in your hands yeah, there sooner than everyone else i think
0: there's always you know depending on what's in the set there's always kind of people chasing yeah. a card and people get excited when they open yep. some rare that they wanted first a, a constructed deck or right. or just something that they thought might be valuable yep and so uh you don't get that any other time like right. at draft you're like Eh I already have some of these or
1: yeah or whatever. So it's also kind of cool because everybody is kind of on the same playing field, right? Yeah. Um, you're learning the cards right alongside everybody else so that guy that always spanks you every FNM that, you know, is maybe a grinder and spends a lot more time playing the game than you do, it kind of brings him down to your level cuz nobody's played with the cards yet.
0: Yeah, and you know, sealed is often like a great equalizer, right? You can have a yeah. really good pool, and he can have an eh pool, and like it can help you, you know, get over the top where you might not otherwise. Yep. So, you know, there's two of us, and but we're going to be playing this weekend with a bunch of people we know. Yep. And so, bunch of people we
1: usually travel with too. Yeah. So. so
0: part of our part of our strategy for kind of getting the most out of everything and you know, like enjoying pre-release and enjoying yeah. kind of playing in general is we have a. We have a a team. We do a team. Uh, yeah. Our our team name is uh, quite. Uh, mm, I want I want to say uh, optimistic. Uh, sure. <laughs> our, our our team name is uh, dead AF. Yep. Because the joke is typically when we walk up on one of our teammates, they're dead on board. Right. Yeah, they there's... they are they are just super dead. Yeah. <laughs> and so that became our team name. So we have the two of us. And then we have a, a group that we will play with and travel with and, like, bounce ideas off at pre-release and mm-hmm. build build our sealed pools with and stuff.
1: Uh, we also test together, too. We which do. is another way that we kind of get the most out of our magic time is when we go to one of these big events, we kind of, you know, we'll take a couple days beforehand and all sit in the same room and, you know, play a couple games with some people over your shoulder. And you can kind of squeeze every little edge out of every game by doing that instead of just you know, running your deck into something for 30 turns yeah. or whatever.
0: So, so there's uh, there's James and I. Yep. And then uh, we have... Uh, so, what is kind of your role? What is, like, your deck style that you play? What is kind of the thing you're known for on, out in the group?
1: Uh, I am definitely the mid-range guy. Um, black-green is my shtick. Um, I play Jund and Modern. Um, I like... Playing very interactive magic. Um, I tend not to play a whole lot of aggro, although for reasons that I'm sure we'll get into at some point, a lot of times for like a big event, aggro is the right choice. Um, I tend not to play a whole lot of combo. Um, I like interacting. I like the puzzle. Okay.
0: So I am on the opposite side of that. Uh, I want to play... As few turns as possible. Yeah. I want to play the most kind of broken, comboy, degenerate thing I can yeah. and just, like, get people dead.
1: Yeah. So what are some examples of that?
0: Uh, Well, see, in Legacies where I'm, like, the most degenerate. So I uh, play uh, Turbo Depths, so uh, making 20-20s on turn two or turn one if if, if life's treating you yeah. right. I once mauled the five against a guy and he played something and I was like... Turn one, 2020 go, and yeah. he just picked up all of his cards. I was like, yeah. "That was a double win. <laughs> I got done in one turn. Yeah. I spent yeah. more time mulliganing than I did playing. It was a win."
1: Yeah. So you uh, like playing as little magic as possible? Little
0: magic as possible. I just yeah. want to win. I want to move on to. The, I just want to win and move on. So I will play aggro, yeah. uh, but more combo. I'm always trying to find some dumb comboy thing yeah. in modern that may or may not work. But I, there's there's always like a a pile of cards. I'm like, I wonder if this would work. I could probably win on turn two. (laughs) Uh, so, in standard, again, I try to do the powerful thing. I often find myself playing a lot of like, like, Not rogue, but kind of, like, tier two-ish decks.
1: Yeah, you were on Marvel before, like, Marvel was huge. Yes,
0: because it was the most broken thing you could possibly do.
1: Yeah, and then you were on God Pharaoh's Gift. God Pharaoh's Gift. Which kind of slots into a similar point in the metagame.
0: Yeah, it's like, I'm going to do the most broken thing that you can do, which is make a 6-6 flying life like hasty guy, and hope that's good enough. Yep. Uh, And then I played, like, Paradoxical Outcome, Mm -hmm. and... uh, uh, Ether Etherflux Reservoir, yeah. like that kind of stormy deck yeah. in standard. So it's always something broken and dumb. So that's kind of where we sit. We kind of sit on opposite ends of the spectrum. Yep. And then so, in addition, we have Logan, who is probably our, our legacy specialist. Yeah. He, he's, he devotes a lot of time to the format and kind of knowing all the ins and outs. Yeah, he's also
1: been on the same deck in legacy forever.
0: Like five years like Theros block he put together blue red Delver yeah and has been playing something that like the Delvers come and go but like the blue spell-based like cantrippy deck and he's on Pyromancers and more Grixis Delver now Grixis control yeah no Delvers but it's it's always the same thing he wants to be able to look at three cards and figure out what order to draw them and how to not draw the ones he doesn't want, and things like that.
1: Yep. And you can also gain a lot of information from somebody like that also, because not only have they been playing the same deck, same archetype for a while, but in doing so, they can pay a lot more attention to what the format in general is doing, right?
0: Yeah, and they kind of have to. Right. So, you know, I kind of jump in and out of Legacy. Like, we have a team event. I usually play Legacy because it's fun. Yeah. But I just, I'm more focused on... I'm going to do my thing really well Mm -hmm. and hope it's good enough. Right. Where he's like, I'm going to play like 20 turns and like slowly like get like two percentage points out of you like over the course (laughs) of the game and that's going to win me the match. Yeah. And I'm just like, I want to get all the percentage points or none of them. (laughs) I play a bunch of decks that are a force check. Do you have force of well? Oh, you don't? Oh, you lose. You lose bad. I look like a genius. Oh, you do? Oh, we got to pick these up. Right. So we have him and again, he... He also plays Control in Modern, yeah. Grixis, and I guess he's on Jeskai. He's been on Jeskai for a while. Yeah. Uh, he likes to, like you, likes to interact. But he likes to interact more on the stack.
1: Right. Well, he also, see, like Midrange and Control play two like different games, though. Like, yeah. I like to interact with like a clock backup or interact mm-hmm. with like maybe a little bit more proactive than like a Control deck yeah. does, where they're just going to pass and then do, do something on your turn.
0: Right, so we have Cameron, who uh, is you know, if possible, Infect in all formats. Yeah, he is hardcore on Infect. He has two full copies of Modern Infect, he one does. foil and one unfoiled.
1: Oh, together at all times.
0: Together at all times. If yeah. you if you show up to a Modern tournament and you need a deck, Cameron yeah. will give you Infect. He sure will. He will. He will have Infect for <laughs> you. And if he's not on Infect. He wants to play some prisony yeah. thing. He's Chalice and Snaring Bridge guy. Yep. Uh, and in standard, he kind of plays a little bit of everything. Aggro. Yeah. He's he is his spirit animal is Goblin rabble master.
1: Yeah, he definitely likes uh, likes the red decks. He's yeah. been uh, pretty hard on Siege Gang Commander this standard. I yeah, think. the, the every, big red deck. Yeah, every list he's played has had Siege Gang in it. Um, he also likes dragons. I mean, he was on Grixis dragons. He played for Grixis a while dragons too. for a
0: little bit, uh, but he's he he's your he's your uh, creature combo yeah. like kill you out of nowhere guy. Yep. Uh, we have Bowman, who I uh, uh, or I guess uh, sorry James. James. <laughs> yeah, now he's gonna get stalked. Sorry, <laughs> uh, sorry if you, if you get murdered, it's my bad. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, first of all, I'd be remiss if I did not mention that he, uh, in addition to being a good magic player, and a friend of ours, and a friend of ours, of course, <laughs> he is. Uh, he is a. I would say world class. He'll argue with me. He yeah. is a world class speed runner. He holds. Uh, he has held or holds world records in Portal speed runs. I think yeah. he holds world record in Portal Two uh, solo co-op, where he plays both Portal characters at the same time in Portal Two yeah. simultaneously, simultaneously as one person. As one person. One person, like, two keyboards or something. <laughs> and so I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, you can follow him on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Azorae, yep. A-Z-O-R-A-E. So you can go over there and see what he's up to. Yep. Uh, so when he's not playing video games fast, <laughs> um, he plays Magic. He is a uh, kind of a control
1: player again. Yeah, he likes to interact. Um he plays some mid-range stuff, too, though. He kind of plays everything. He plays yeah. combo. He's played
0: been playing a little KCI. Yeah. Uh, but he also, like, uh, is on hashtag free twin or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, he, he wants uh, Splinter Twin to come back. He plays Miracles, both top and topless versions. <laughs> uh, he keeps his shirt on at all times, which is good yeah. for topless Miracles. But but he's he plays Miracles and... Uh, uh, Standard has been playing a lot of Jeskai Control, I think.
1: Hey, he played Golgari a bunch,
0: too. Golgari, too. I guess yeah. he, again, he's kind of all over the place. Yeah. Kind of whatever he thinks is best at the time.
1: Kind of steers clear of aggro, though, right? Doesn't yeah, I don't think he
0: aggro. really has to play a lot of aggro, now. Yeah. He's not going to, like, Mountain Goblin guide you in Modern at any right. point.
1: <laughs> I don't think that's a thing. I don't think he's ever owned a Goblin guide. No,
0: no. Next up is Nick.
1: Yep, Nick is our uh, resident limited expert, right? Yeah, I think he so. Plays almost exclusively limited, and usually tries to force blue black. Recently, yeah, blue <laughs> blue black in all formats. So
0: I guess yeah. it was uh, guilds was great because blue black was good. Yeah. But he will play blue black. Our store owner once said, "You have to be good." I look at your decks, and I don't know how any of them ever win a game, <laughs> but you always win. Yeah. So.
1: He, uh, uh, he kind of dabbles in, like, standard and modern a little bit, but not not, not serious. Much.
0: Like, standard, again, control mage. Yep. Likes yep. likes to play. Uh, yeah, he was blue on Approach last Standard. Yes, played a lot of Approach. Yep. Uh, oh, we would be remiss. Logan Logan is also pretty good at Limited. That's that, true. That is, that is yeah. Logan. Logan is pretty good at Limited, so it would be remiss yep. if we didn't uh, mention that. Yep. He'd be like, I don't just play Legacy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Nick is Nick is the guy that will uh, that you will play at a big tournament and he will be playing his sealed deck unsleeved and you'll think oh this guy's not very good and then you lose to him and you're like
1: oh it was all trick unsleeved no play mat <laughs>
0: nothing just just going in there just like hey it's like 1996 and yep. I'm in like a hallway like let's go yep um, we got Christos Christos I guess is our young gun he is uh, he's still in college so he's got to like work this whole magic thing around college and a job and a job. Yeah. He's got more work than I do. Yeah. Uh, he, um, I guess he's still finding himself.
1: Yeah. I don't think he's really nailed down an archetype that, uh, speaks to him. He kind of jumps around a little bit.
0: Yeah. Kind of whatever's, whatever's best or whatever kind of looks interesting at the time. Yeah. But yeah, he doesn't, he's not like nailed down on a certain archetype. He'll get there eventually. Yeah. Takes time. So, and then, uh, we have Anthony, who is uh, in charge of our southern franchise. Yeah, uh, has recently moved away. Has recently moved away, but he's he's still with us. Yep. Um, he's he's the n- newest kind of player.
1: Yeah. Of the, the group, least experienced.
0: Yeah. So yeah. he leans on us to like you know teach him the ropes and like we've right. you know he's had some success. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he likes kind of less high stakes things, so he likes like going to, like, a GP or a Star City Open and, like, playing side events where right. he can, like, get to play, but it's more of a, like, a relaxed
1: mm-hmm. A lot of people do, though. Nick yeah. would prefer to play side events, too. Yeah. Um, being on the grind or part of the main event or whatever isn't really for everybody, and that's yeah. fine.
0: Yeah. So, that's the that's most of the group that we're going to be playing with this weekend, yep. along with everyone else at the store. Yep. So, kind of talked about why I wanted to pre-release. So... Ravnica Allegiances is going to have some new stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, new cards, and with new cards and a new set come new mechanics.
1: Yeah, so we're going to have the other five guilds. There was five in Guilds of Ravnica, mm-hmm. and then the other five are in Allegiance. Yeah, so uh,
0: we're going to have Simic, Yep. Uh, Gruul, or, growl, some people say. I think it's Gruul. I've never heard that. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Uh, gruel. Rakdos. Uh, Rakdos, uh, Azorius, yep. and Orzov. Yep. And so each uh, guild comes with their own mechanic. Yep. And so we're going to kind of give you a rundown of what each of the mechanics do briefly mm-hmm. so that when you open your sealed pool. You don't have to read like all the rules text.
1: Yeah, you kind of already know what they do.
0: Yeah, and or it might help you inform like if one sounds neat, it might inform which guild you want to pick. Right. Uh, for oh, your... should we talk about
1: that real quick before oh. we jump into the mechanics? Those yeah. Pre-release kits. Yeah.
0: So when you go out to pre-release, you're gonna have, uh, you're gonna be able to pick
1: a guild
0: for your pre-release kit. So right. you get your six packs, six packs in quotes, and. Uh, they can't you get, hear the quotes yeah they can't <laughs> hear the quotes but you get six that's why i said in quotes that's yeah. uh, so why and you get six um you get your six packs and they're in and their uh the the sealed pack comes with a a guild affiliation and so what does that guild yeah. affiliation tell uh give us
1: so when you open your kit you're gonna get a die uh spin down life counter mm-hmm. um i don't remember for guilds was it coordinated with your guild i think it was color-coded to your guild but i'm not 100 percent sure yeah i know they've done that in the past i can't remember if guilds was that way or not uh, but then you'll get five packs of the new set and one seated special pack and inside that pack is going to be a promo rare or mythic mm-hmm. from the guild that you chose And also uh, Uncommons, commons that fit into whatever guild you chose. So if you choose Rakdos, you're going to get a Rakdos rare, uh, Rakdos Uncommons, Rakdos commons to help you build a Rakdos deck. Um, It kind of helps people to... Pre-release isn't supposed to be super competitive, right? Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be about having fun, learning the cards, playing with your buddies. Um, If you're a diehard Demir Mage... And you end up with a sealed pool that is decidedly Golgari. You're not gonna have the most fun, right? Yeah. Because you were really hoping to build a Sweet Demir deck. So the Seated pack kind of helps you helps steer you towards a color combination. Yeah. So,
0: so when you go, you know, hopefully the mechanics we talk about in each uh, guild, maybe you'll again you'll think one is neat, and you'll be like, I want to build a Simic. Mm-hmm. Uh, deck because I think the Simic Mechanic sounds interesting. Right. So the Simic Mechanic uh, is Adapt. Mm -hmm. So Adapt is an ability a creature has and it's some mana cost followed by a number. Yep. And so that number is the the number of counters you put on that creature when you pay the mana cost. So if it's Adapt... Two blue green is It's like adapt three. Two blue green,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? So if you pay the two blue green, you get three plus one plus one counters on that creature.
1: Uh, but only if the creature does not already have counters on it.
0: Yeah. So you can't just like keep like pushing the button to make right. a giant guy. Yeah. You have to. You can only push the button once. Right. Uh, so that lets you get, uh, crazy big creatures.
1: Uh, well, not necessarily always crazy big, but it lets you kind of, yeah. It lets you kind of, not really cheat on mana, but puts you ahead of the curve a little bit.
0: And it lets you use your mana later on in the game. Yeah. Where a lot of limited games, right, you'll get to turn 8, and you'll draw your 2-drop, mm-hmm. and you play your two, you play a 2-mana spell, and you have 6 mana left over. Yeah,
1: and then your opponent plays a 7-mana spell, and your 2-mana spell is looking pretty weak.
0: But with Adapt, you ha- you'll have a place to put your mana to make a smaller creature... Bigger or yeah. like on par with that larger creature. And what Simic does is they have all these plus one, plus one counters. They use them in some way.
1: Yeah. Uh, there's cards that will grant creatures that have counters on them a bonus. So there's one that gives flying. Yep. Uh, there's one that gives trample, right?
0: Yes. There's the rare that gives yep. a trample. Um, there's uh, the same rare that gives trample also has... Uh, uh, when it comes into play, if you have a creature with a plus one plus one counter, you get to draw a card. Yep. And then there's a an un, I think it's an uncommon frog lizard frog or something. Frog lizard, yeah. That when it comes into play, you can take the plus one plus one counters from other creatures and give them to that yep. Here, so you can have a, a big monster. Yep. And so then it would let you reuse your adaptability. Right. Because they got their counters pulled off of them. Mm-hmm. And there's some things that do stuff when you give them a counter. There's a there's a rare growth chamber guardian. Yep. That if you somehow got two in your sealed pool, yeah. if you put a counter on it, you get to go in your deck and find another growth chamber guardian. Yep. which doesn't sound super good for limited, but for constructed it might be good. I'm we might talk about that later. About that yes, so that's adapt. So what is the gruel mechanic? Uh,
1: so the gruel mechanic is riot, um, and basically what riot does is when you resolve the spell. Um, as it's entering the battlefield, you get a choice to make. You get to pick whether the creature enters with haste or with a plus one plus one counter. Um, it's on a whole bunch of different creatures. Um, I think there's an enchantment that gives everything you play riot. Um, Riot's kind of cool because its bonus is twofold, right? So when you play, you're on the play you're um, attacking your opponent you're on the aggressive, um, the haste is going to be more beneficial than the plus one, plus one counter is. On the flip side of that, it, if you're on the draw or if you've fallen behind a little bit, maybe like you don't have any good attacks and you're not going to use haste, um, but obviously making your creature larger is a benefit, um, so it kind of plays well from both ends. Um, which yeah, is, you play both ways yeah it's kind of unique for like that monster style yeah. deck
0: and uh, so a thing to note it's not a trigger it's not like when the creature comes into play a trigger goes on the stack so if you right. play a 3-3 three, three, and you're with Riot your opponent never has a chance to use a 3 damage spell to right. kill it if you pick plus 1 plus 1 counter right, right. it just comes in with a plus 1 plus 1 counter so it, mm-hmm. as soon as it's on the battlefield and it can be targeted it has 4 toughness right so if you think your if your opponent played a three damage spell in game one, maybe you wanna and they have the mana up, maybe you wanna put the counter on it because right. then they can't use their, their removal spell on it. Yep. So that's something to consider. There's no spot where you can where you can get got Right. And that way similarly there's no way you can get them as well. Right. Riot
1: also stacks. It, that's what I was just gonna say. Okay. So what does that mean? Uh, So there are, like I mentioned earlier, there are cards that will grant Riot to a creature. So if you resolve a creature that already has Riot and have somehow granted it Riot, it basically has double Riot and you get two choices to make. Um, You don't have to pick the same one, same choice for each one. Uh, You can choose to give it haste and a counter. Or you could choose to give it two counters. Or... You could choose to give a double haste, but I don't know why you'd do that. That 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 is
0: the wrong choice. Yeah, <laughs> there, there you, you only have two choices again. Yeah, plus one plus one counter twice. Yeah, haste and plus one plus one counter. Yeah, making it extra fast. I don't think does anything.
1: No, this isn't the uh, rocket powered turbo slug. No,
0: no. <laughs> no. So so that's gruel and yep. again, uh, it can be aggressive or defensive, but it yep. it does the the guild itself slits more aggressive.
1: Yeah it's uh, definitely big stompy stuff Uh, lots of creature combat Um, most of the removal is going to be damage based Um, yeah
0: Um, we have uh, the Orzov mechanic which is addendum no not Orzov, oh my gosh azorius (laughs) there you go there we go (laughs) there we go go. I was looking right at it too it's so the azorius mechanic is addendum and addendum is tacked on to a bunch of instants right And addendum
1: changes for each spell. Yeah, so it's not going to do the same thing every time you play a card with addendum. Not like Riot, where Riot works the same every single time you cast a card with Riot. Um, Addendum is going to change based on whatever the card says.
0: Yeah, so so you get addendum when you cast an instant on your main phase. On your first or second main phase. So basically, if you cast an instant as a sorcery, you get some additional bonus.
1: That's not exactly how the mechanic reads though, right? If you it, cast it on your main phase. Right, but I can do something, your opponent can do something on your main phase and you can respond to it and you still get the addendum Fair,
0: bonus. yes. Yes. So, for what is it, Emergency Powers, which is the big mythic yeah. that has addendum, it says that you cast this on your, it's five blue white instant and you, everyone shuffles their, library, their, their graveyard and hand into their library and draws seven cards. If you've been around for a long time, it's time-twister. Yep. Right? But if you cast it on your main phase, you get um, the you get to play a seven mana permanent. A, a permanent with converted mana cost seven or less from I, your hand. I thought it was any spell. I thought it was seven or less.
1: Right, but it doesn't have to be a permanent. Right? I thought it was
0: permanent. Uh-oh. Okay, we're going to look this up. This is Riveting Radio, folks. Yeah, sorry, guys. That's right. You want, you want to talk about Spectacle? Sure. While I uh, look up my uh, my thing here?
1: Yeah, so Spectacle is the Rakdos mechanic. Um, spectacle is an alternative casting cost for cards with Spectacle. Um, spectacle gets turned on um, at any point where your opponent has... Lost life this turn. Uh, it's important to note that damage causes life loss. Um, so anytime that uh, you damage your opponent, that triggers Spectacle. Also, um, life loss is a lot of times a drawback where, um, like on the shock lands you can pay two life to have them enter play untapped. Um, that is also life loss, although they're probably not going to be doing that on your turn. Um it's kind of important to note that Spectacle goes both ways. Um, sometimes the spells are less expensive for Spectacle. Uh, sometimes they are more expensive, but grant an additional effect also. So the new Lightning Bolt, I forget what it's called. Skewer the Critics. Yeah, is uh, two and a red normally. Sorcery deal three damage to any target. I think, is it Sorcery Instant? I don't remember. Anyway. I thought it was Sorcery. Um spectacle costs for just one red so it gets a lot cheaper a lot better um if you can turn on spectacle um whereas i'm trying to think now what's the uh the one that gets more expensive the gold card
0: there well there's the rare Rixmonti reveler oh yeah yeah yeah. that is one and a red for a two-two when it comes into play you get to discard a card and then draw a card you get to rummage but if you pay its spectacle cost, which is two red black, you when it comes into play, you discard your hand yep. and then draw three cards.
1: Yep. So you so, get a lot bigger effect uh, for paying more mana. Obviously, when spectacle is turned on. Uh, so let's see here. We're we're looking up cards here. Uh, you're right.
0: Skewer the Critics is a sorcery. You win this yep. round. Uh, did you win the other round? I did win the other round. Is right. If you cast this spell during your main phase, you may put a permanent card with converted mana cost seven or less from your hand on the battlefield. Okay, which is a good thing because mm-hmm. I really don't want people playing this and then casting Nexus of Fate.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, because that, that would, would be, be miserable. Yeah,
0: I'm assuming that happened in testing once, and they were like, "Oh no, nope, nope. can't do yeah. this. <laughs> you can't ever do this." So. Um, yeah, so that, so... There we are, we fixed it. Yeah. So addendum, instance, on your main phase, give you something extra. Yep. Spectacle, deal them damage. Yep. Either get something cheaper or, or something bonus. extra. Yep. Right? And then the last one is the Orzav mechanic. There you go. We got there it there. Right, right we it we figured time. it out. And that's afterlife. And afterlife uh, is, and again, it's afterlife followed by a number. Mm-hmm. And that number is when that creature dies, you get... That numbers worth of one one flying black white spirit tokens. Yep. So if you have a creature with afterlife one, when it dies, you get a one one flying spirit. Yep. This leads to uh, is this is gonna make the Orzhov uh uh guild really grindy? So yep. games are gonna take a long time, and because you're gonna get a lot of tokens that are gonna allow them to allow you to block multiple times mm-hmm. and
1: it also kind of lends itself to a self-sacrifice
0: deck right mm-hmm. if that comes together in yeah in sealed yeah um so dies is a very specific word it means it goes from the battlefield to the graveyard
1: right so if it gets exiled then afterlife will not trigger yeah
0: so there's a a spell that's one black black give all creatures neg two neg two would exile them if they die yeah. if that gets cast against you and all your afterlife guys die they go right. and you get no spirits right they just go to the shadow realm and they don't they don't get you don't get a spirit their <laughs> so soul is exist. gone right so that is a different uh so that is something to look out for so a spell that says this is exiled yep you're not going to get your afterlife mm-hmm. so again if you're playing someone who has a bunch of afterlife cards and you yeah. have uh, the the one in the red deal two damage exile the, the creature if it was dealt mm-hmm. if it die if it would die this turn exile it instead yeah. you might want to bring that in yep. because that's gonna make sure you get rid of that that t- the creature and the token that would come with yep.
1: it. There's also the new uh flaying tendrils right. That was the
0: one black black
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, which we should probably
0: learn our card names. We're gonna get there. Yeah. Uh, we haven't Sorry. we haven't going we have <laughs> pre release yet. We haven't like actually played with the card so we well, don't know yet. I mean
1: also this kind of leads back into the fact that we're trying to do all of this in and amongst our normal lives. So yeah. whereas some of the other podcasts may have a whole bunch of time to spend memorizing card names. Looking at card names, yeah. We're gonna do that while we're playing pre release this weekend. Yeah.
0: So um uh so those are your, your four your five um your five mechanics. So adapt, yeah. pay mana, make your creature bigger. Yep. Uh, That's kind of a tempo mechanic, right? To some degree. Yeah. It lets you use your mana that you wouldn't otherwise get right. to use. Uh, you have Riot, which is either Haste or plus one, plus one counter. Right. And you can pick offense or defense, kind of. Yep. Right. Uh, addendum, get a bonus if you cast an instant on your, uh, on your uh, turn. On your on, main phase. On your main phase, sorry. Spectacle, which is deal them damage get a bonus yep and then afterlife which is when your guys when your creatures die you get one one spirits yep so that's kind of you know this sets kind of what we're what we're doing Mm -hmm. but there are some things that you can do kind of in every sealed pool every time you play a sealed everyone kind of has their own process yep but they all they all kind of share certain features. Yeah. So what are you doing when you um when you first like open your six packs?
1: Like what are you doing? So normally what I do is I separate my sealed pool by color. That's mm-hmm. the first thing I do is separate it out by color, um, take all the lands out, take all the artifacts out, all the gold cards out, and make my little piles then i will go through each color and see like what cards are drawing me into those color colors whether it's really good removal or a bomb that's going to end the game Um, something that's going to draw me into those colors and then once i have found you know which colors i think i'm the strongest in then I'll look at like my gold cards and see if they match up or vice versa. If I have, you know, a gold card that's going to win the game, um, I'll kind of look to those colors a little bit harder than I will some of the other colors that aren't supported as well. Uh, Same thing goes for mana fixing. If you have uh, some really good dual lands for a specific color combination and not for another one, uh, that can kind of... Um, form your opinion as to which which guild you're going to go with. Um, Not always the case, but mana has to be good in order for you to cast your spells. It's hard to cast your spells if you don't have mana for them. So Um,
0: my process is similar. I lay out the colors, and I kind of, in each color, kind of make like three piles of... Mm -hmm. It's kind of like things I want to play. Like, again, the drawing me into that color, things I really want to play things i will play to like fill out that color. Yeah. And then things i really don't want to put in my deck. Unplayables. The un- <laughs> The unplayables are the like i don't really want to play this card. So i kind of like look at like what what i have in that, you know, in those piles and i'm like, "Oh, i have like four white cards that i really want to play." And mm-hmm five black cards I really want to play maybe I'm black white but then you have to look and go like well I might have these five awesome black cards but I only have like two other cards I really want to play yeah like can I get enough of another of the other color yeah to make that work yeah sometimes like you're you eliminate a color but when you make your piles like oh, this pile only has like four cards in it like I can't play (laughs) red because I got four red cards right so, like, you might have a red bomb, but then you're like, I don't have enough red cards to play this card. Yep. And you're kind of stuck. Yeah. So, you kind of lay everything out, and then you still you still need a curve, right? I know it's not draft, but you still need to have, like, a decent curve, Oh, absolutely. Curve, right? I've won a
1: bunch of games without any bombs just by having a decent curve. Um, it's almost as important as having bombs as filling your curve out. Now... Just because it's important doesn't mean it's always going to happen, though. Yeah. Because you are stuck with whatever you open. Sometimes you don't open any three drops, and then you cry a little bit inside. Um, so the first thing you do is, you know, pick your preliminary colors, whatever, you know, is drawing you in or, you know, whatever you really want to play. And then you kind of work on your curve from there. Um. If everything you want to play in those two colors is six drops, you kind of have to make a choice there, because if you're playing nothing but six drops, you're going to get run over.
0: You'll get run over by a 2-2 that you're yeah. going to play on turn two that you
1: just don't interact with. Right. Okay.
0: Now, most sealed decks are more mid-ranging. Like, it's yeah. hard to have a sealed pool that is, like, that you get to build an aggro deck out of because you yeah. don't typically have the kind of the critical mass of right. two and three drops. Yeah.
1: Or so, one drops.
0: Yeah. But everything kinda shifts. You're you're more to the mid range. Yeah. So in a lot of formats, you wanna look at things that give you card advantage. Yep. Or creatures that have st- draw a card stapled on them mm-hmm. or have some sort of ability when they come into play that kind of give you multiple
1: yeah like if a creature things. would come into play and fight something like yes. that's what you're talking about mm-hmm.
0: or like ravenous chupacabra right where it came in and just straight killed, killed something. something so those kind of cards go up in value because they're they're kind of two cards in one mm-hmm. or you know a lot of times draw spells yeah like we don't have a divination in this set but like Like three mana, draw two cards is a good card because it gets you extra cards. Yep. So I want to do that. So you've got your, you've picked your colors. You've got your, your kind of your best two colors typically Mm -hmm. that have your, you know, that have kind of your best cards, you think. Yep. So how do you figure out what lands to play? Let's say you don't have any dual lands. Like what are you, what are you, how are you figuring that
1: out? Um... Well, I'll tell you how I do it. Okay. Um, and this pretty much directly references an article by Frank Karsten where he talks about building a mana base. Um, he gets into a whole bunch of math that I'm not going to pretend to understand, but I think I got the gist of it. So what I do is whatever two colors I'm in, I will count up the mana symbols on those cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, divide that by two. And that's how many sources of that color you need. Okay. So if I'm playing Rakdos and I've got you know a pretty solid black and red deck, if I count up all of the little black pips and come up with 22, half of that's 11, I need 11 black sources. Um, so that's going to count any guild gates you get, um, any, hopefully you don't have to play any, but the rainbow lands that you get, it'll mm-hmm. count those. And then, obviously, your basic lands. And then I do that for, in this case, if I was Rakdos, I would do that for my red cards also. Yeah. Um, to build on that just a little bit, um, if you are a deck that has an aggro slant, you kind of need to pick a color for your curve considerations. Um, say you have 22 black pips on your cards but all of your 1, 2, and 3 drops are red. Mm-hmm. Um, that factors into your mana base too, and backing up a step could affect how you build your curve, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you're trying to get you know, all of your removals black, all of your bombs are black, but you need something to do on your early turn, so you're playing these red aggressive creatures... Even though you have, you need less sources of red mana to cast your spells, you need to make sure you have it on the early turns. So that can kind of alter your land count a little bit, also.
0: So I do something similar. I count up the number of mana sources of each color and I kind of figure out the ratio. So if I have 12 black symbols and 12 red symbols, I need close to an even amount of black and red, yep. and then I do what you do and I look at, well, what are my 2 and 3 drops? Yeah. Are they mostly red? Or are they mostly black? And then I'll slant my mana base towards the the one that I have more low drops. How many That's lands cool. should you play
1: typically? Um, it kind of depends on the format. It um, does. If the format is a little bit more aggro, you're going to play a little bit less lands, if the format's a little bit more mid-range or even super grindy, you're gonna play more lands, just because making your land drops is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for guilds, well, tip in general, it's mm-hmm. like right around 17, right? Yeah,
0: 17 to 18. Usually, yeah. the 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 range is if the format's aggressive, you go to like 16. Yeah. If the format's really like slow, you go to like 18 because everyone's trying to play like five mana six mana spells so you need to make sure you hit your fifth and sixth land yep uh and um uh usually like the safe place to start is like 17 yeah so like usually in a pre-release i'm almost exclusively married to 17 yeah if i'm like short on playables or i have like uh some some bigger spells i'll go up a land like 18 it's rare that i'll go to 16 well uh, i
1: mean on the flip side of that though if your curve stops at four you probably don't need 17 lands sure sure but it's rare that you're like right
0: because in Co, do you end up playing the whatever black big dumb ground creature that costs six right or Whatever. The Colossal Dreadmaw. Yeah. Your 6 mana 6-6 six, six Trampler in green. Yeah. Or your like 4-4... Four, four, your 6 mana 4-4 four, four Flyer in blue or whatever. Like yeah. Or 5 mana You just end up playing those. Yeah. So I usually start at 17. Uh, you will, I will... I've told people in the past that have played cards that would go in my like not playable pile mm-hmm. that you're allowed to play as many basic lands as you want. <laughs> this is so, true. So... If you're like, I think this card is not very good, don't play it. Just play another land, because then you get to cast your good card. Right. Um, another thing that that newer players that like the F and M level will sometimes do is if game one they f- they flood out. They draw six lands in their first. You know they they draw six lands and no spells. Right. Right they will automatically think, oh no, I have too, I many, too many lands, hands. and they'll cut a land. Or if they draw not enough lands in another game, they'll put more lands in their deck. Yep. And that's not how math and probability work. Right. So you build your mana base, and you you can tweak it a little bit. Maybe sure. you're like oh, I needed more red because I never have red on turn two. Maybe I needed to have a mountain instead of a swamp.
1: So that's what you do, though, is you cut a swamp. And and you put in the mountain. Right.
0: You don't just add a mountain. Right. Right, because then you've just added more lands to your deck and you haven't really accomplished as much. Right. So, right, you make your decision of this is, you know, a 17-land deck, and just because you had, you know, one or two games where you do too many lands... Don't just think like, oh, I must. this must be a 16 land deck.
1: Well, it's kind of an interesting point also because it's important to know why you're playing the number of lands you're playing mm-hmm. because <clears throat> when you play limited, each time you play, you're building a new deck. You're never going to get a sample size large enough yeah. to determine the proper ratios, right? Yeah,
0: so if you're running... If you're running really well and you win a bunch, maybe you play 10 to 15 games with your deck. Yeah. Right? That's not enough to be like, oh, I actually know how many lands I should play. Right. Right? 17 to 18 is that 16, 17, 18 range is kind of the rule of thumb. Yeah. That's
1: a sweet spot. It's where most decks fall into. But
0: you're not going to know for sure. So just because you had like an unlucky game. Yeah doesn't mean you just throw out everything you did and like, well, I must have done this wrong. Right. Right. So don't overreact. Yeah. Right. You'll see a lot of people in between, I I, I drew too many lands and they like throw three lands out of their deck and put in three spells and it's like, well, you're, you're never going to hit your third land drop now. That's super common in pre-release too. Yeah. Because you you all, after the first
1: round, you always see people up at the land station.
0: Yeah. Because they're, they're trying to fix what they messed up and they didn't mess anything up. It's just math is mean. Yeah right so um it kind of an old uh I guess heuristic or uh like mnemonic is is bread yeah right and this is how a lot of people build their seals pools and this goes back to the piles we were talking about things yeah. that pull us into our colors and things that that we, we want to play so, so what is bread th-
1: th- bread kind of ranks for lack of a better term the. The sorts of cards you're going to open. So, bread is bombs, removal, evasion, aggro, duds. That's what bread stands for. Like we were kind of talking about when we were laying out our hypothetical sealed decks that we're going to open this weekend, uh, bombs are what's going to pull you into a color. It's going to be uh, what are some examples of a good bomb?
0: Uh, I think Doom Whisperer if you played uh, Guild. Sure, or right. Glory Bringer. Uh, what's one from this set? Uh, Hydroid Crassus. Absolutely. The
1: blue-green
0: X spell that draws you half X cards and yeah. gains you half X life. Yeah. Right? It's a card that if you're losing, when you resolve it, you're probably not losing anymore. Right. And if you're winning and you resolve it, the game probably just ends. Yep. And if you're even, you're ahead. Right. Right? It's a card that just no matter how the game's going, it's the card that every time you draw a card, you're like, I really hope it's this. Yep. Right? So those, those are your bombs. Things that just kind of blow your opponent out. That yep. Like the game is, you know, you're trying to get the game the game till you get to draw yours. Right. Right? And so when you play like a slower deck, you stand a better chance of drawing your bomb. Yep. Because you're going to play more turns. If you play 10 turns versus playing 20 turns, yeah. you have you know, more chances in those 20 turns to draw your bomb and win the game. Yep. Right? So sometimes you're just like, I need to stay alive so I can draw my bomb. Then I get to win the game. Yep. Right? So and That, that kind
1: of leads into the next category, which is removal. Um, basically, any removal, but definitely good removal over bad removal. So what's good removal? What concept is good removal? Uh, lava coil.
0: Lava coil. That's fantastic so, removal. So good removal is ideally cheap yes and it's unconditional so things that just say kill a creature yeah black always has a common kill a creature now depending on the set that spell costs four five or six mana i think the one in this set costs six mana i think it's five and a five and a black but it just says kill a creature so if your opponent resolves a bomb you can just kill it yep right red based removal that's unconditional is usually damage based so there is a little bit of a condition of you have if you have skewer the critics that deals Mm -hmm. three yep that's a that's a pretty good removal spell but if they play a four four you you feel you feel set
1: yeah not going to kill their four four right uh but red doesn't get just kill a creature it doesn't yeah black's
0: really the only thing that gets killer creature yeah white oftentimes gets uh I guess there's a a, a blue-white, uh, one blue-white flash enchantment that make it so a creature can't attack or block, I do believe, this, this set. Mm-hmm. So white gets a lot of that where they get to leave the creature on the
1: board. It just doesn't do anything. Or it just
0: doesn't do anything. But it's, but that removal can be bounced or yeah. destroyed a lot of times. So it's not, it's not the warm, safe feeling of just you put it in their graveyard and yeah. it's gone. Or even better, you've exiled it. It's yeah. just... Not coming back this Gone forever. So that's good Good removal of stuff that kills a creature and is cheap. Also, uh, instant
1: speed. Instant speed is, is also important. great.
0: Right, so they play their bomb, and then you get to use your mana that one of the other guys got to use to kill it. Yeah. Now, there's bad removal that is conditional. Mm-hmm. So, stuff that might say, like... Kill an attacking creature.
1: Or a tapped creature.
0: Right. So those are things, those are often in like white. Yeah. But so like if they just sit back with their with their bomb that they can get value from. Yeah. And they don't attack with it. Whether well, then it has
1: you, an activated ability or something yeah, else.
0: You don't get to you don't get to kill it. So I think the best removal spell probably in this set is Bedevil. Mm-hmm. Right, which is red, black, black, instant, destroy, creature, planeswalker, or artifact yes right so that is that is the best removal spell and then you have
1: we have uh mortify also right?
0: Mort- mortify as well we get one yep. black white instant destroy a creature or uh in, enchantment enchantment and that's an uncommon yep where bedevils are rare so those are like your really good removal spells now the six mana black removal spell that's just kill a creature is okay but like if they paid four mana for their good creature, yeah. it, like, it kind of hurts that you have to wait maybe two more turns or three more turns to hit your six land to kill yeah. it.
1: How much value have they gotten out of that creature in those yeah. couple turns?
0: How, how many creatures of, of yours have they eaten or how many attacks have they stopped? So the higher the mana cost, kind of the worse it is. But in Sealed, you almost play everything that lets you deal with a creature. Yep. So almost every removal spell that gets opened... Will get played. Yep. Okay. So then we have evasion. So that's like flying menace. menace trample. Trample. Um, um. If it says unblockable. Yep. So just ways to get in damage. A yep. lot of times sealed games, you get these like clogged boards where like yep. there's a five creatures on the ground on each side and, and no one can, can attack. Do anything. And the first person that draws <clears throat> a three three flyer. Yep. Now the game is about, the game changes to, yep. now you have to kill this 3-3 flyer because you're at 12, and if you don't draw an answer to this,
1: yep. you you lose. Also, uh, Afterlife kind of gives your guys pseudo evasion, right? Yeah, because when they die,
0: yeah. right, you, you could be in situations where you say, okay, this board's kind of a mess. If I just attack with all my guys, if they block, I get a bunch of flyers, and I won't die next turn. Right. And now I can kill them with all the flyers I get because they have to block. Yep. So, like, that can kind of change how, how those board stalls go. Yep. But being able to fly is always super powerful yep. in, in limited, right? So, aggro. So, what are we, what are we talking about this in terms of, like, sealed?
1: Um, that's probably going to be your early curve fillers. Your two and three drops? Um, yeah, your two and three drops. They're just kind of there to get you to the late game. Yeah. Um they don't really serve much of a purpose other than to bridge the gap.
0: Yeah, they're not great late draws just because they're they're not nearly as big as, you know, your five and six drops. Yep. So um and then the last thing is duds. Yeah. And that is <laughs> and those are those cards that you're like I really don't want to play you, but I don't want to play twenty lands, yeah. so I need. So to put you got to throw a couple in there. Got to put some cards in here, so, uh, so that's kind of the the basic like sealed building philosophy. Play your bombs. Play your removal. Yep. Play your cards that have some sort of evasion. Yep. Make sure you play two and three drops. Yeah. And begrudgingly play the cards that are stinkers just yeah, so, you, so you have
1: cards. Make you a legal deck.
0: Yes. So Ravnica, uh, allegiance, like Guilds of Ravnica kinda has some special some something special about it, in mm-hmm. that every pack comes with a guild game.
1: Yeah, so instead of the basic land, you get a dual land, which Helps immensely when you're trying to play color pairs.
0: Yes. So what it lets you... One of the things you can do that kind of changes the normal sealed building is when you kind of look at your piles, you also need to look at your dual lands and figure out what your lands are going to let you play. Yep. And a lot of times what happens is instead of playing a two-color pair... You end up playing three colors.
1: Especially in sealed.
0: Especially in sealed. Because yes. it's slower. You're gonna have a chance to draw your colors. Yep. And you're gonna have six dual lands. Mm-hmm. So you might have a really good blue green deck. You might have a really good simic deck. Yep. But you might have blue green might be a bad color pair. I'm trying to think of something that maybe Azorius. You have blue white and then you have some orzoff uh Gilgates. Yep. And maybe you want to play the uh, five and a black killer creature spell. Yep. You have a way to play that card uh, and get an extra removal spell that you wouldn't otherwise get.
1: It uh, it works with Simic and Azorius also. You go ban. Oh, you get the white. Blue overlaps, yeah.
0: Yeah. I was thinking of of the black removal spell in particular. Oh, I gotcha. Uh, But you (laughs) get... um, So a lot of times the cards that have one off color... Yep from your guild go up in value because if your guild gates let you play them then you get to you get a, a more powerful card
1: yeah so you're talking like the gold cards right the
0: gold the gold cards are just any like powerful card that has one single yeah mana symbol so let's say again you're or Azorius, and you have a mortify mm-hmm. uh you play that. Now, if you have, like, uh, a, blue, uh, a blue-white a blue card, let's say you have an emergency powers, like you open uh, emergency powers, and you're like, I want to play this. Well, if you have some of uh, if you have some, gosh, so you're Azorius, and you have a Mortify, you get to play that because it's black. Right. There we go. Sorry, guys. I'm actually a teacher. <laughs> I, you can see I'm doing really good at my job. Um, but you want to look at all those cards that have, that just share, that are just off by a color. Yeah. Because they let you do more stuff. Yep. So, and if your lands let you play them, you should try to play all of them if possible.
1: That's a pretty good uh, time to talk about the split cards too, right? Because mm-hmm. they kind of fall into that same theory where they kind of slot into a couple different decks. Especially with the split cards. Yeah,
0: the ones that are the, the hybrid mana symbols. So right. that by hybrid we mean instead of being blue or white you can pay blue or white so right. the the single pip is actually split in half right and you can pay either blue or white to pay for it so yeah. there's warrant and something
1: i don't know all I, I the names know.
0: but there's there's a a blue white split card that the one side is hybrid blue white blue white so you have so you can play it in a deck that only has blue mana and no white mana
1: or a deck that only has white mana and no blue mana
0: so, it gives you more flexibility. So, if you're playing Mardu, right? And you want to play the white, white side. Yep. You can. If your lands let you. Yep. Don't go too nuts. Yeah. Right? If your lands let you. So, that's something you can do. Um, so, you always, like... One thing is you want to say, like, what your lands let you play. Mm-hmm. So, I think in... Guilds. I played three colors in every single seal. And I played four and one. Yeah, I was just like, "Oh, this is a good removal spell. My lands let me play it. I'll figure it out." Yep. And you just kind of do that, yep. which is not something you can get to do in like a normal set yeah. because you don't have as
1: much fixing. Like in M nineteen, you couldn't do
0: that. Yeah, you played two colors. Yeah. and you hoped it worked out. Yep. Right. Uh, so what is? What is what is our what is our best guild or what guild should we we pick and kind of what is our what is our thought process
1: um it's kind of a tough question because i know what guilds i'm excited about but they're not necessarily the best guilds for sealed so what, are, what guilds are you excited about um i am super excited about simic for constructed okay um i'm excited about the new mystic snake yes i really like the growth chamber guardian Um, I like the Druid that turns into a Black Lotus, Um, but I have reservations about Simic in Sealed. Um, You don't have a whole lot of removal. Um, If you fall behind on tempo, you don't have a lot of ways to catch up. Um, So I don't know that it's the guild that I'm going to pick this weekend. So what do you think you're going to pick? Probably Gruul. Okay. Just attack some people? Um, yeah, just turn my stuff sideways. Um, I normally want to be a little bit more aggro for pre-release weekend. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the aggro guild is Rakdos. But I'm not sure how easy it's going to be to turn on Spectacle. Or if the payoff is worth it.
0: Yeah, some of the cards are super powerful, but like they're more the, the rare. Yeah. And the, a lot of the other cards like there's not a huge payoff yeah. for for like you have to put in a decent amount of work for spectacle and the yeah. payoff is not because sometimes you have to make a bad attack yeah. to turn it on yeah and it's not not worth it yeah um,
1: whereas Gruul on the other hand if you staple haste or a bigger butt onto any creature it's always better
0: yes yes it's it's just rawly powerful yeah um. Who are you excited about? So, I think that I, I might pick Orzoff yeah. just because in is a little magic as I want to play and constructed. I like to play these long grindy yeah. sealed games because a lot of times I, I I think I do a good job of making decisions yeah. in 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 sealed and draft. And so the longer the game goes on and the more decisions I get to make, I think I get a little bit out of it.
1: Well, they also, like, Orzov has a really good backup plan of all of your guys fly when they die.
0: Yeah. So you get to play this this long game where you get to, you know, you're incentivized if your opponent attacks you with a 3-3. Yeah. To throw a 2-2 and a 1-1 in front of it because you're going to get two 1-1 flyers out of it and eat their guy. Yeah. So you're up a card. Yeah. Right, two two one one flyers is lingering souls. Right, you're like up, you're, 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 up in, you're up the front half of lingering souls, so you're you're winning that. Yeah, like I ate your guy, and I still have guys. Yep. And so, like, getting to play those longer games, and like, you're probably gonna have you're gonna have good black and white removal. Yep. And you'll still maybe get to splash, you know. A card that has spectacle, yep. like splash a red card, maybe you to turn it on with a one-one flyer. Yep. So, but I often, for for guilds, I just kept taking Golgari because I wanted to open a foil Assassin's Trophy. Uh, I I did not open a foil a foil Assassin's Trophy.
1: I happened to open a foil Assassin's Trophy. I was yeah. pretty happy with that. Yeah.
0: So I opened one when I got my boxes, but by that point the the yeah. hype train had had <laughs> simmered down and that wasn't worth eighty dollars anymore. So, so I might play a little bit of Rectos because I want some uh, Rixmani uh, Revelers. because yeah.
1: that's that's my jam. Uh, I'm pretty excited for Judith too. Yeah, not that I think she's going to be a million dollars, but
0: yeah, I think that'll be good. So, so play what sounds fun. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean pre-release
1: is yeah. pre releases for fun.
0: Yeah, play what sounds fun, but like if you're a you know. A, a, a dirty speculator and you want to hopefully open something that's worth some money. Figure out what you think to be worth some money and get that guild as well.
1: Yeah, I really don't know like what the chase cards are for this set, right? Cuz the walkers of aren't great. The
0: planeswalkers aren't great, which is probably a good thing. Yeah. Uh, for the health of magic like the the red mythic dragon is good, but I don't think it's it's just good. Yeah. I don't think it's like crazy. Yeah. Uh, so yeah I'm not I'm not sure what the what guild I should buy for get for cash
1: um the new pod I think monetarily
0: oh yeah uh, prime speaker Zagana
1: no Vanifair?
0: That's prime speaker Vanifair that's it yeah prime speaker something
1: I think she's close to the top of the list yeah I,
0: wise. I, I did buy uh, some combo cards for Modern to have a combo with her so we've yeah. uh, we've made our we've made our stake at least a little bit there yeah so it, I could use a few
1: I, uh, I may have ordered a whole bunch of cards for an awful format. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And you've got Scrib Rangers coming? I, I did, in fact, order Scrib Rangers. So did I. So did I. I was
0: like, I don't have any. I gotta get some Scrib Rangers. Yeah. Uh, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, in Modern, there's a super convoluted, very specific combo that if you untap with Prime Speaker Van affair, Van affair oh. you can infinite combo your opponent on the spot so if yeah. it lives through the turn cycle and you have a one drop in play yeah you get to just win the game yeah if you have a two drop you also get to just win the game i do believe yeah. so uh yeah that's the thing that can happen yeah so um
1: that uh, that wasn't the format I was speaking of, though. Oh no! What what format are you speaking of? Uh, I ordered a commander deck. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! That's
0: not a format. Well. Uh, uh, so so on on the team, James is the uh,
1: resident uh, commander player. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if I call myself that. I I own a few commander decks, but
0: which is more than anyone else on the team can that is say. True. Yeah. So, okay, commander. Oh. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. I was thinking modern. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, can you think of anything better than Birthing Pod for your commander? That is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> do you get to, Is Birthing Pod banned in commander? No. Oh, so you
0: get to play Birthing yeah, Pod? you play Birthing Pod, too. And... I don't know why you would. Commander Birthing Pod. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why you would. It's your commander. Fair. <laughs> Fair. All right. So, that is our... Kind of our sealed stuff. So... again, We're going to try to do a... Weekly segment yep. that we're gonna. I guess we're gonna call it the grind. Yep, and it's gonna be uh, us grinding our way through um, the arena ladder. The arena ladder. Yep, uh, which is frustrating at times.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, tougher than I thought it was gonna be for sure.
0: Yeah, um, so. Uh, so what we're gonna try to do is have ever, as everyone on the team plays games, yep. we're we are collecting data on yep. uh, what everyone plays against,
1: and um, hopefully it'll give a snapshot of whatever the meta looks like for that no, week. Yeah, I mean nobody else is collecting data, right? You can't get arena data on Goldfish. Wizards isn't releasing it.
0: No, I. The only place it's like uh, MTG Arena Pro has some stuff.
1: Oh, I haven't seen that.
0: Uh, they actually keep a, I couldn't get it to open on my phone, but they keep track of the Mythic rankings. Okay. So once you get up into Mythic, they start ranking you by number. And so, like, when someone see plays against a Mythic player that has a number by, by their name, mm-hmm. they, like, go update the leaderboard. Okay. So the update the leaderboard's kind of updated. And it has some tools to let you build decks based on your collection. I didn't, like, log in or, like, yeah. see how it actually worked, but that's the only place I've seen with any, like, any kind
1: of data. Yeah. Uh, uh, speaking of data, um, I believe that collectively with our team, we produce enough data to draw some conclusions, right?
0: Yeah, I mean it's hard. We, I think, uh, I think this week I haven't crunched all the numbers, but I think we probably had a hundred to two hundred games in the best of one ladder. Yeah. Um. The week before, we had like two fifty. Yeah. So, you know, there are hundreds of thousands of games played a week. We're taking a right. s- We're taking a small like. We're on the east coast. Yeah. This is what time we're awake. Sample size. Yeah. But it does kind of reflect a lot of what we read about kind of what the what the meta game looks like.
1: Yeah, and also like our individual um, data kind of corresponds to what the team as a whole sees yeah. also
0: yeah there's no one that's like just... i'm only
1: playing golgari this week
0: yeah it's yeah it looks it looks reasonable so uh for this last week i was i was in diamond we did it uh <laughs> not quite came came close to getting diamond too uh i'm super streaky i'll go like seven one and then like three and five and just like undo everything I did yeah. on the seven one. It's like,
1: Oh, this was awful. I found that happening to me quite a bit also. And I
0: don't, and it's the, the winning always happens when I first sit down. Yeah. I don't know if I just like go on autopilot.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, after like 10 games and then just like lose the ability to like actually make reasonable decisions. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes though it's just like you kind of check out and you're like, Oh, I lost. You just hit like, go again. You yeah. don't like process why you lost. Right. Or what you do. You're just like, go again. <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, so in Diamond, I found it was almost exclusively four decks. It was mono-white, and it's kind of mono-white or boros, splashing red for, like, heroic reinforcements. Yeah. Mono-blue. Like, I didn't see hardly any mono-blue in Platinum. Yeah. And mono-blue is
1: everywhere. I haven't seen I, I'm in Platinum currently, and I haven't seen any mono-blue.
0: Like I was like, oh, mono blue is not a deck, and I went up to to diamond. It is everywhere, and then mono red with chain Whirler. I am playing mono white, and can't beat a chain Whirler when all your things are X ones. <laughs> Just can't, yeah, can't ever rough. do it. And then there is a ton of Jeskai. Yeah, uh, Bant floats around a lot, but it's not not as much as Jeskai. Like yeah, so if someone plays like turn one tapped. Uh, Sacred Foundry they're like 95% to be on uh, Jeskai and the other 5% is Terrible Borostra which you can beat Terrible Borostra um but it's and I think I've played I think I've played probably 60 matches 70 matches and I think I've played Golgari five times
1: yeah so I've seen a lot more Golgari but like I said I'm still playing I haven't hit Diamond yet yeah um a lot of Golgari. Um, I've seen, I think BBD tweeted a green-white Angels list out. Which I think I've played against last a few times. Week. Um, I've seen that list a handful of times, and that list is frustrating to play against. Um, once they stick an Angel, it just snowballs and you can't win.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like attack you, like attack with your Lyra that you can't beat, and they play uh resplendent angel yeah and they get like a four four and a five five and you're like, oh yeah. well this was this was fun. I'm gonna yeah. you know,
1: hit the, the concede button. Uh, the worst that I had was my opponent went uh Lyra and then the next turn swing play two resplendent angels and I could not win that game. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. We on
0: arena, I know I'm getting more guilty of it, but when a game is clearly not winnable yeah I just snap concede yeah right like if I'm playing against control and like they went like cleansing Nova your board play to next turn yeah like we're done here like yeah. I know you're you're going to win in like 15 turns and they're gonna be miserable yeah. so I'm just gonna pick them up and go hope to get a good matchup
1: you kind of have to though um yeah the way they have the ranking or the ladder set up You have to play hundreds of matches. So, in order for you to make best use of your time, if things aren't going your way... You kind of got to go. Yeah, you just got to cut it loose. Right. So, with talking about how the ladder is
0: structured, so there was an announcement today... There was. ...that
1: is going to change uh, change the grind a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of excited for it because I wasn't a huge fan of Best of One. No. Um, they are including best of three in the ladder for the next go around. So
0: when you go into the little play menu and it says best of one and then it says, is it traditional is what it's called? Yeah. A traditional yep.
1: play? Traditional constructed. Yeah. Yep.
0: That's the best of three and that's going to count towards your uh, your your ranking in, yep. con- in constructed.
1: Yeah. So there will be two rankings. There's going to be a ranking for constructed and a ranking for limited. Yes so your best of 1 and your best of 3 are both going to progress you on the same ladder.
0: Yeah. So what they didn't specify in the in the announcement today and in I think in the in the notes that you read yeah. was if you win a best of 3 2-0 do you get two wins towards your Towards your progression, or do you just get one because it's a match win? And I think yeah, that's no. something that they're gonna clarify probably Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah, it seems.
1: I hadn't thought about that. That's a kind of a unique, uh, great right, unique it, point.
0: Right, if you win two one, you get you get one regardless, yeah. right? You get one if it's a match, or one if it's like two wins and a loss. But yeah. if you win two zero,
1: and so, this is important for the grind, yeah, because you're trying to make the most out of your time. If you're playing uh, ranked best of one, and you know you're finishing games in ten fifteen minutes, and then you go to best of three, and you're winning all of your matches, but you're only winning them two one, and it's taking you an hour to do that, it's probably worth your time to go back to best of one. Yeah,
0: I think the the big upside for best two out of three counting towards the the rank is there are some decks. Current in the current standard that just don't lend themselves to best of one, yeah. I was playing blue red drakes, and you sideboard seven cards against everyone, yeah. And like, I think you're probably like on a on maybe 50 50 against everyone game one, yeah. And you just can't do that, uh, in best of one, right? So it would allow you to, like, again, if you were trying to test for a paper tournament yeah. and you didn't want to, like, put the gold or gems into one of the, like, uh, the events, Yeah. it would still let you play best two out of three and get that test with a deck that might not be suitable for best of one.
1: Yeah, so it's going to more closely follow, like, the actual paper meta.
0: Yes. So it won't be... It won't be as skewed as, like, Drake's is not a deck.
1: Or Golgari is non-existent when it's, like, been shown to be the best deck in Standard. Yeah,
0: it's just, it takes a long time to play. Yeah. And... It sideboards really well. Yeah, but you don't get to sideboard. So, that can, you know, that'll be be nice to be able to play a deck that you can't really play in best of one. Yep. So, um...
1: So, what was the other thing they announced? I know you were pretty excited oh, about oh, it. Oh, yeah.
0: So, so if you <laughs> played Arena, you, you have the vault, and whenever you get your fifth copy of something, it gets turned into, like, a vault, vault f- food. And once you get enough, you crack your vault, and you get a mythic wild card, two rare round cards, and, like, three uncommon wild cards or something. And, um, which is fine, but, like, it takes like forty mythics if you only got extra mythics yeah. to get your one mythic that you wanted. Yeah.
1: I mean I've been playing Arena forever at this point, it seems like. Mm-hmm. And I think last time I checked I was thirty percent to my vault.
0: Yeah, I haven't I cashed in my vault at some point and they don't let you see your progress, which is annoying. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not very close. And but I played a, I went through a structure I played a lot of limited. So I almost have a play set of all of guilds yeah. and I'm randomly still missing some Commons like there's something with the the way they generate your packs but what they're gonna but I would get the reward packs each week yeah. and it would just be all cards I had yeah it was just like a little bit of progress to my vault and I got nothing really else. So what they're going to do is they're gonna have, uh, they're going to actually look at your collection when they generate your pack and if you have 4 of a of a rare or mythic they're not going to give you a fifth right
1: they're going to give you something that you don't already have
0: yes so like for me i have opened i think 6 or 7 divine visitations yeah but no dream eaters yeah and no watery graves i just i'm i'm on the demir <laughs> blacklist i just don't get any demir cards Yeah. Uh, So they're going to get rid of that. Um, And then once you get to a full play set uh, of the entire set, if you have four of every card in the set.
1: Well, it's just mythics and rares, right? It doesn't count for uncommons or commons. Well, they don't
0: do it for uncommons. The uncommons and commons count towards your vault. But once you have a play set of all your mythics and rares, if you open a rare they're just going to give you 20 gems. Mm -hmm. And if you open a mythic, they're going to give you 40 gems. So it's going to make opening packs better. Because like, I know for me personally, it was a feel bad. When you, you know, get your 15 wins for the week. If you're feeling good on Sunday, you get your 15 (laughs) wins. And you open your packs and like your rare never is like the card back. It's just always like, Here's another drowned secrets. Yeah, and you're like, oh, yay! That's like point 0.1% towards my vault. Woohoo! Woo! So this will hopefully alleviate some of that feel bad. Yeah. And for limited players, um, the the pro, the fifth card protection doesn't count for the pack for the for the draft for right. when you're drafting, but it will all those cards that are past your your fourth will get turned into gems yep. when you uh, like after, after your draft. So it'll let you keep drafting because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that draft all the time yeah. and they have a hundred, a hundred reward packs Yeah, that they, there's no reason for them to open.
1: Right. They just do absolutely nothing. Yeah.
0: So this at least, you know, if you have a full set and you have a hundred reward packs, that's, You know, 2,000 gems if they're all rares. Yeah. Which at least maybe lets you get part of another draft. Yep. So you get a little something. You get a little give back. And what they're taking from us, if you will, is the individual card rewards. Yeah. The drop, the, like, upgrade rates are going to change. Yeah. So, like, when you would randomly get, like, a third card, at some percentage, that's going down a little bit. But I haven't done one of those in like three weeks. Yeah, I don't. Because I've just done best of ones. Yeah. Uh, which is a shame
1: because I, I kind of like those events.
0: Yeah, they no they're they're good, but they're like, better value. Yeah, like what the, there's been people doing math like to like go infinite in the best of best two out of three events. You have to have like a fifty five percent game win percentage, mm-hmm. which is pretty doable. Yeah.
1: It's reasonable,
0: right? It's not, you know, you're not gonna like win the pro tour, right? But you know, 55% is like, this is not bad. Yep. So. So that is kind of where we're standing with with arena. So next week we're not gonna have the, the data. We we're not really gonna like draw any real conclusions because, the Allegiances comes on to, arena on Friday the, on the 17th. Is it Friday or Thursday? I'm pretty sure it's Friday. End of this week. Yeah, it's the end of this week. So, <clears throat> best of one will probably, like that whole meta is going to change. I don't know when we can start building constructed decks,
1: but... Yeah, um, I don't know if we're going to have any meaningful data for a couple weeks. Because Ravnica comes out, or the new Ravnica comes out this week, and then the latter resets in February, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there might only be like, like a week's week worth two. of data, and is like, is that even worth collecting?
0: Yeah, but I think that we can all we could definitely maybe see decks that people are playing. Like, yeah, now we can we can say like, oh, this deck is clearly this archetype. Yeah. There's gonna be just wild stuff.
1: Yeah. Oh, I plan on uh, opening mm-hmm. some packs of Allegiance this weekend and making some brews.
0: We've we've. I've got enough gems for 110 packs. <laughs> we will be opening 110 packs. Yeah. And we're going to, ho- we won't be getting any five, the fifth of anything. So That's hopefully right. this <laughs> lets us maybe fill out a reasonable amount of the set. Yep. Um, so speaking of brews, so what, when a new set comes out, what, what gets you brewing? What are you looking at? Maybe um, not Allegiant-specific, but just
1: like overall. In general. Yeah. Um, it depends when my next event is. Um, if, for some reason, my fellow teammates have roped me into uh, being the standard player for a week one team event, <laughs> as has happened in the past, um, typically I like to play something aggro. Mm-hmm. Um, historically... In an open meta, like week one standard is, um, aggro decks will do better. uh, Just flat out. Why? Um, Mainly because you're making your opponent answer. You're asking a question and making your opponent answer it. Can you answer this card? Um, And when your opponent doesn't know what cards to answer, answer they have a hard time building a reactive deck so control's usually bad week one control usually is not great week one
0: and you also run into people that maybe think there's a super sweet interaction right that they want to take advantage of right but you get to run them over before they do their super sweet thing because right. they just don't maybe they don't have a good curve or their mana is not
1: quite worked out right yeah see like i like those decks When I'm brewing a deck, I like to find a super cool interaction between a couple cards or a powerful engine and build a deck around it. That's kind of where the mid-range mage in me thrives. Mm -hmm. Um, But for week one, you really can't do that because those decks take a lot of time and a lot of testing to get the correct cards in them. Whether it's just the correct numbers or correct mix of cards... They're never right week one. Mm-hmm. um, one of my favorite standard decks was rally, rally the ancestors. um and that deck didn't even exist until it took like
0: three or four weeks, maybe
1: longer. it was long that deck wasn't a deck until like a month and a half from rotation. It just didn't even exist until then,
0: and it won the, like won the like the January Grand Prix of that year, so like yeah. two weeks before yeah, before rotation, yep, so. Yeah, so a lot of times, like the the first week is just aggro decks punishing people that are trying to do cool stuff. It's yeah. just not good enough, unfortunately. Which is sad because you want to yeah. do cool stuff, but you know, turn one fanatical friar brand. Sometimes
1: you can't, you don't have time to do cool uh, stuff. Sometimes you can't beat a raging goblin. Yeah, so um, if I don't have a week one event though, I like to do what I just described, where I find a really powerful interaction and build a deck to exploit it now whether that actually goes somewhere is uh kind of yet to be determined yeah
0: but so i know that you have a week
1: two event right i do have an rptq week two
0: so the we've been in our and again this is something you can do with your friends we've been kicking around deck ideas Yep. uh and it's all uh there's probably some good stuff in there and there's probably some bad stuff in there oh there's a lot of bad stuff. there's a lot of bad stuff (laughs) but there might be some good interactions that like yeah what what ends up happening is you know an arena is going to help this right hopefully we can build decks and we can all build our little pet decks and be like this was awful but when i got to do this thing it was really powerful yeah and like You kind of throw out the trash around that really powerful thing. and be like, okay, well, we can get a deck that consistently does this. That's good. And then maybe someone else sees an interaction, and you can find a way to kind of mush them together through a lot of testing. So we're going to try to, all of us, play some Garbage Fire decks. Some
1: Garbage Fire deck, yeah. And then
0: hopefully, after two weeks, be like, hey... We sifted through the ashes, and yeah. this is a good deck you should play. <laughs> yep. And so, so we're all looking at like either powerful interactions
1: or things that just look neat. So, like, what kinds of powerful interactions are you looking at?
0: So, uh, before we sat down, I I came to this like epiphany of we we are all kind of wild about uh, Growth Chamber Guardian. Yeah. So. It's one of the green for a 2-2, which sounds kind of blah. I do believe it has adapt for two and a green. Yes. And it's one plus one plus one counter with the adapt. Correct. Okay. And when you can put a plus one plus one counter on him, you get to go get another one. So he's basically put a counter on me, draw another one. Right. Right? So that's really powerful. So I've been trying, we've been trying to think of ways to put counters on him. So we've thought about Rhythm of the Wild, which is that riot enchantment, one green red has a sweet line of text for anyone who's playing green-red, which is, your creatures can't be countered. But then it says, all your creatures have Riot. Yeah. So if you were to play that, and then play your... Growth Trooper. Gr- he gets a counter if you pick the counter mode of Riot.
1: And you Wait. go get another one. You can go get another one.
0: Yeah. Right, yeah. so if you were to turn three, play Rhythm of the Wild, yeah. and then turn four, have four mana, you can play a 3-3, three, three, draw a 3-3 three, three, and play it, draw another card that will be a 3-3. Three, three.
1: Well you could also turn one Lanoir Elf turn two Rhythm of the Wild turn three, two, three threes,
0: which yeah. is pretty good. Live the
1: dream. Yeah.
0: Uh, I've been playing a lot of mono white and the the deck is a bunch of terrible one drops and then payoffs. Yeah. And one of those payoffs is Venerated Loxodon. Yeah. So a curve where you play a one drop your growth chamber guardian and then venerated loxodon making like your one drop a two two making your three three that draws you a three three and having a four four Yep. is a pretty powerful start so what was your uh your
1: dream hand the the, the
0: dream the dream was uh um pelt uh pelt collector yeah so the one one that gets a plus one plus one counter with a creature with more toughness Enters or leaves, enters the battlefield or dies. Right. So if you play him and then you play the two two, now he's a two two. Yep. Then you convoke with the Loxodon. You get the counter for convoking. Yep. And the Loxodon's bigger. Yep. So you end up with a four four that has trample that you paid one mana for. Right. A three three that drew you another, another two two, and a four four on turn three. Yep. This seems good. Yes. Yeah, I good. could be wrong. I will probably. It's certainly like, worth exploring. I will probably get smashed. Yeah. But. So that. And then I think the other thing we've all been trying to kick around is how to make Judith.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm pretty good. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about Judith. So what does she do? Um, so she's a uh, one black red. Okay. For a two two human. Human Shaman, I believe. Human Shaman, I do believe, yeah. Um, she's a lord for all of your creatures. Gives them all plus one, plus zero. And has a pretty sweet line of text following that that says whenever a creature, non-token creature you control dies, you get to shoot something.
0: And it, it, that something's not just the player, it's
1: anything. Any right. target. So it plays a lot like Blood Artist or Zulaport Cutthroat with the key difference being um instead of you gaining a life in return you get to machine gun their board if you want to so
0: um so that plays well with the some of the afterlife cards like you sack one of your your uh, your afterlife guys yep. to deal a point of damage
1: and then Judith makes them
0: bigger, and yeah. So your your flying token that you get is now a two one, yep. which lets you get in, so you can get some chip damage with Judith, and then yep. make a flying army. Yeah, um, it also works well with some of the goblins that we have.
1: Yeah, um, Skirt Prospector is a free sack outlet, so you play, you know, basically whatever goblins you want. And then when it comes time, you can sack your whole board and hopefully finish them off. Mm -hmm. Um, Another powerful interaction, which is what we're looking for, is with Gruesome Menagerie. Mm -hmm. Um, You can sack your board to a Skirk Prospector and then use that mana to cast Gruesome Menagerie and get them all back. Um, Some important ones are Skirk Prospector, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, goblin instigator leaves a mm-hmm. body behind. It makes a one-one. It's a one-one that makes another one-one goblin. Yep, and it's a two-drop. Um, so you get to get that back with gruesome menagerie. Um, you can get back Judith as your three-drop if she died. If or... she dies, yep. um, you can get Goblin War Chief. Which... Gives all your goblins haste and makes them cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get back Legion War Boss. Which again is good at making an army and plays really well with Judith because she pumps all of your goblin tokens. Um, I think there's a deck there. I yeah, I don't know if it's going to be ready for week two standard, unfortunately, because that deck is definitely my jam.
0: And it's but it, it is super fidgety. Is doesn't yeah. want to be just Barakdos black red. Doesn't want to be Mardu and have some of the white cards and uh right and like. Kind of what is the right sack engine?
1: Yeah, and you can also build the deck a couple different ways. You can build it more combo where you're going for like a kill over a turn or two instead of you know incrementally through the game. You can build it as a value engine because we have cards like Midnight Reaper that lets you draw cards when creatures die. And we also have the Shaman of Forgotten Ways or Shaman
0: of Forgotten Gods? Priest of Forgotten, Priest of Forgotten Gods. Of
1: Forgotten Gods. Which lets you uh, tap it and sack two creatures you control to make your opponent sack a creature. Sack a creature.
0: They lose two, two life, and, life and,
1: and you get two black mana. Right. So and draw a card,
0: and you draw a card. Yeah, it does all kinds of ridiculous stuff. If yeah. It's a it's a one two for one of the black. Yeah. So like, if you get to untap with it, yeah, silly. You can do like silly things like. Your opponent, like, you turn two, you play that, and your opponent foolishly plays a three-drop, and you're like, Goblin Instigator. Yeah. Eat
1: your three-drop. Shoot you for three, draw a card. Yeah. Add two black mana.
0: Yeah, so you get to do a
1: lot. Yeah. Uh,
0: So that card's interesting. The only, like, truly free sack engine that we have is the Skirk Prospector, and he's limited to only sacking goblins, which is... A little rough. Yeah. Um, there's also uh, makeshift munitions mm-hmm. from was it Ixalan? It's one of the red for an enchantment. You can pay a red and sack a creature or an artifact to deal one damage to any target. Yep. So with Judith, it turns all your all your uh, non-token creatures into shocks. Yep. And all your tokens into one damage. Yep. So you can. You know, you could get to a point where, like the end of turn, you sack a bunch of non-cookin creatures to get yeah. tokens and attack, and whatever gets blocked, you just throw at them, and whatever doesn't get blocked, deals them true damage. Yep. So, we've got some interesting things we want to do. Uh, the the our, our current team chat ja- tra- uh, team chat name is Let's break standard. That's right. So hopefully. we've got a, we've got a break standard in two weeks, so James can go to the Pro Tour. Yep, that'd be
1: nice, wouldn't it? It is in London, too. (laughs) I know.
0: So that'd be pretty sweet. Yep. So. My
1: wife's always wanted to go to London. There you go.
0: So that's the other thing, right? Like, when you you have, when you're a casual tryhard, you're like, you got to sell it to the wife sometimes, too. That's right. Hey, I've got to go to this tournament, because if I win, I have a chance to take you to London. Yeah. Well, I'll get enough money to buy a plane ticket to go (laughs) to London. And then she's like, ooh, I'm in. Yeah. You should go do that. (laughs) Thanks, honey. Let's not talk about the odds. Right, <laughs> but, but thank you for your support. So we've been going for a long time. Chris and us will be very proud of how long we've gone.
1: Wow! Yeah. Uh,
0: so we we had the we had the timer hidden. So we should probably wrap it up because yeah. my wife was like, "You guys almost done?" She's got she's got dinner cooked. All right. So um, thank you for turning into the tuning in to the casual tryhards. Yep. Uh, I'm Brian. And I'm James. And we're going to try to do this every week and get you uh, from FNM to your next PPTQ. Whatever it is. All right, man. Take it easy. Yep. See ya. Bye.